Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. What's up, everybody? And welcome to The Reluctant Historian. This is the podcast where I try to show my husband that history is actually cool. I'm your host, Liz Lawson, and this is our Reluctant Historian, Dakota Lawson. What do you think if I got into wearing cowboy hats? Oh, yeah, you asked me that. And, yeah, I did. I texted you, and you just said, cool, exclamation mark, like no follow-up or anything. What do you think? Your body, your choice. <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird if I was I was just all of a sudden, like, like so we were watching a Brad Paisley music video at work. Um, do you know Brad Paisley? Yep. Yeah, and he wears this big-ass cowboy hat, and a um, uh, guy from Star Trek, what's his name? Uh, Leonard Kirk, Nimoy? The guy that played... No, no. Uh good pull but no um blade is gonna be kill it, killing himself over this chris pine no no <laughs> william shatner william shatner so he he's in the video and he's like this hat is ridiculous on you look at this i'm just like what if i was just all of a sudden like showed up to like you know uh work or a social gathering and i'm just wearing a fucking cowboy hat you do you <laughs> i look fucking ridiculous it works for some people but just you know others it just uh like myself i mean it's hard enough seeing me in a hat, yeah. let alone a cowboy hat. Yeah. So that was a really long tangent to in our introduction. Well, yeah, that's those, that's what I'm going for here oh. with, with these tangents. I need to bring something to the table for a tangent. On this podcast, I'll tell him a story from history, and he'll share his unapologetic thoughts and opinions. So if you love history, or you absolutely hate it, this podcast is for you. On today's episode, Dakota, we are going to be talking about the Black Death. Oh, that's cool. I um I'm a big fan of episodes that have to do with death and misery. So, but it but then again, this might get into too boring history blah blah blahish. Yeah, know? it's probably so, going to be that for you. For fuck's sakes. I'm going to talk about how it spread across Europe. Mm, okay. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about how um they tried to like fix it and some things that they did okay well i'm probably not gonna like it but the audience is probably gonna like it the, po- the audience is gonna like I it. i got a lot of shit for the uh two episodes ago what did yes. we do um, operation mincemeat operation so, mincemeat i Becky hated said it 10 out of 10 yeah impolite society said you were wrong they loved it yeah blade uh, loved it blade couldn't believe that i was uh um yeah the, the, that you're a fool that i was a fool but he did make one comment that we did miss something that was, uh, it was something to related to, they got the idea from the guy who wrote the James Bond novels, I believe. He originally wrote this in a story or something like that, this idea, and they got the idea from that, apparently. That's mm. what he said, but I, I was just like, yeah. oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I, uh, we could have saved that for our correction connection. Did you have that already? No. Oh, okay, I was like, well, here's the correction connection, <laughs> is that, uh, I forgot we did that segment because people don't usually correct us because we're always right. So That's true. Yeah. But okay, well, let's learn about the Black Death, I guess. All right. So sit down, buckle up, and get ready to listen to the history of the Black Death.
We'd like to begin by recognizing that we are recording on Treaty 6 territory and the homeland of the Métis Nation. We make this acknowledgement in recognition that we are settlers here on the land that belongs to the many different First Nations of Canada. Uh, so this will be the last time I remind you guys, but before we get started, we have exciting news. Uh, we have our Facebook page up and running. Dakota is killing it on being the moderator of that. It's the best. Yeah. So you can find us on at the Reluctant Historian podcast on Facebook. Be sure to like all my posts. I have a a lot of, (laughs) I have a lot of self-confidence issues. Yes. Tell people that he, tell Dakota that he is good. Tell me that I'm good. I need this. Okay, please. So Dakota, what's your golden nugget? Uh, so I probably know what your golden nugget is, so I'm not going to steal yours. And I will just say that mine is that I got a new phone yesterday. Oh, yeah. I got the iPhone 12. Yeah. Uh, they only had red available for me. And Which is not your aura. No, I had the, uh, she told uh, me there that, uh, red just doesn't go with my aura. So like, <laughs> Uh, it's just embarrassing me in front of the, the salesman. You know, it's like, am I married to a hippie or what? I'm a witch, actually. She's a fucking witch, apparently. I am a witch. I know you don't, like, believe me, but I am a witch. I have really good intuition, and if I tapped into my witchiness, I could probably cast some spells and stuff. I look forward to seeing that. Shut up! I'm a witch! Okay. Well, I, I look forward to the episode where we can update. Uh, so we got an update. Liz bought her first broom and then the next one will be like holy fuck she's flying and not a witch like that like a like a like a healing witch like a natural witch like i use some like like crystals and stuff dear in the modern age we call those hippies i am a witch not a hippie i think you're a little bit of both anyways so got an iphone 12 very happy it's basically the same as my iphone iphone 10s it's like their upgrades are so incremental at this point that they just haven't wowed me in a while. That's fair. I need them to wow me. Yeah. But what about you? What is your golden nugget? Hmm. Really? I would have assumed I knew what it was. I know you assumed that you knew, but... Oh, is it something different? I don't know. Was, what? Like, was that the golden nugget? The audience right now is like, what are they talking about? Uh, so last night we celebrated our anniversary. Is that what you thought? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We celebrated our, our anniversary. We went to the Besbro. We stayed at the Bez. Um, and we went out to Taverna for supper. and Which is Italian food. Yeah. And we reminisced about two years of marriage. Um, we both came to the realization that maybe getting married after four months was like a really... Well, six months. Six months was like a really crazy thing to do. And maybe not the smartest thing. Well, we were... The main point that we brought away is, damn, we're lucky this paid off like yes. it turned out <laughs> yeah, really, we really well because like there's so much stuff that we've learned about each other that it's like like i'm have you as you guys have heard on this podcast i'm a terrible person and <laughs> and yeah i knew that going into it did you yeah not to the level i feel maybe. like maybe not quite as bad as like the listeners have got it now but like yeah so there was lots of stuff and then i've learned stuff about you too that i'm a witch i learned that <laughs> and also a hippie <laughs> Yeah, so it it is good that the things that we've learned about each other are just made our relationship stronger because, yeah. you know, you do run that risk that things we didn't know about each other and are learning while we're married could have been deal breakers. Absolutely. So as much as I am thankful and loved getting married after six months, I don't know if I would, like, tell other people to do it. Yeah. But it paid off for us. It did. So. <laughs> yeah, I think we're like one in, one of the like few. I don't know. We're like so blessed. We're like hashtag blessed. We like break the mold. We're yeah. the, we're the exception, we're, not, not the, the rule. rule. 
<laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Uh, All right. And that the audience just vomited in their mouths <laughs> there. <laughs> Perhaps. So, anyways, Dakota, this is a biggin. Oh, okay. The Black Death. Okay. Are you excited? I should be more excited, but I'm like, this is going to get boring, I feel like. Do not go into that with that in your mind, because you always bias yourself, and then you end up giving me a 5 out of 10, and you're wrong. That is your opinion. No, it's truth. Okay, well, let's... <laughs> what is it that the, your friend, from the guy from Kind of Funny said? That's my... Oh, what did he say? It was about, it was an opinion, but he tried, he said it like a fact. Uh, he was like, that is a fact, I believe, or something along yeah, those lines. So <laughs> it's like, so an opinion? Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Okay, let's get into it. Yeah. So, uh, this episode, or this season, actually, we've done a lot of talking about diseases. Uh, oh, th- yeah, that's actually a good running theme. Yeah, I think it's a case of like life imitating yeah, where, art. Where we are. Art imitating life. Yeah. Cause our podcast is art. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a piece of art that was, there was one that was just a toilet. A picture of a toilet and another one that was just painted black. And it was in an art exhibit. Was it a red door? No, no. It was just a... Uh... I see a red door. Oh, no. It was black. Painted <laughs> oh. black. Oh, okay. Oh, my okay. God. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm not... Uh... Your joke just went right over your head. No, no. I I just don't know the lyrics. Really. <laughs> that shows our age difference. Fuck you. But no, I. it was just a, a square canvas, a small one, that was painted black. Literally, I could have done it. Yeah. And that was art. So if that's art, this shit is art. Our podcast is art. Yeah. Anywho, uh, the Black Death was a devastating global pandemic that killed half of the entire world's population. Really? Yeah. Holy shit. How many? I mean, it wasn't. Do you get into, like, how many people were there? It was between 30 and 50 million people. So, right, like, mid-1300s. There was only 100 million people at the time? Yeah, it's not a lot. Not not as many people as we have now. I know that, but like that's that's a lot. We we really uh, people were just like, hey, what if we gave sex a chance? No, yeah. it was more like, <laughs> hey, we finally figured out how to eradicate diseases, and now oh, so babies, babies don't die. Oh, okay, okay, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah, and I so they 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 figured out sex long ago. Yeah, and you're you didn't. We're not dying at thirty, so <laughs> that'd be wild. That'd be like. Well, I guess I've got one year to go. Yeah, I'd already be dead. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, could you imagine if just half of everyone that you knew was just dead? Yeah, it's called Avengers Infinity War. and I, <laughs> Yes, oh, Thanos, <laughs> he had, I mean. She really likes Thanos from uh, Avengers. Clearly, she is the villain of this podcast, and I'm the hero. Uh, let's ask the listeners if you agree with Liz or me. Was Thanos right? Let us know in the comments. Let us know in the comments. Maybe I'll throw up a poll later. Yeah. So I think if COVID is any indicator of what would happen today, um, people back then would be like licking the rats who carried the plague. What? I don't know. I have this written <laughs> in here and I really like this line, but it doesn't, as I'm reading it, like doesn't really connect. There's no transition here and there's no connection between ideas. But basically what I wanted to say was like in the 1300s, yeah, half of the population died. But if we were to take like the people that live today, I feel like like the anti-vaxxers and COVID deniers would be like licking rats and being like, the plague is a hoax. <laughs> and then they die. So it'd be like that episode of Family Guy where they uh, uh, lick all those toads. Yeah. Yeah. The Black Death is known by a few names. The Black Death, obviously, but also just the plague, the great mortality. I'd never heard that one before. Okay. The great pestilence and the bubonic plague. What about uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Big Papa John's bad fun time? 
That's another name for that it, was yeah. A, that was a lesser known ta- uh, yeah, name for it. Absolutely. Uh, the bubonic plague is its scientific name. Mm. Modern genetic analysis suggests that the bubonic plague was caused by the bacterium Yersinia pestis. The most common of its symptoms was painfully swollen lymph glands that formed pus-filled boils, which were called buboes. Oh, my, my buboes are killing me. Sufferers also faced fever, chills, headaches, shortness of breath, hemorrhaging, bloody sputum, vomiting, and delirium. And if untreated, it has a survival rate of about 50%. Damn. Man, if they only had Pepto-Bismol at that time, I think this could have been avoided. Maybe. We have medicine for the plague today, but still, about seven human cases are reported in the United States each year. Really? Yeah. The, so the Black Death is still happening? Yes. But we have medicine for it. <laughs> okay. But is it, what is it called? Like, what do they call it when they're like, uh, okay, uh, looking over test results, you have the Bubonic Big plague. Papa John's Big Bad Fun Time? Bubonic Plague. Bubonic plague. Yes. Wouldn't that be crazy if you just go to the doctor and they're like, well, shit, haven't seen this in a while. You've got the bubonic plague. Yeah. <laughs> so in the years from 2000 to 2019, 12 people have died from the plague in okay. the United States. But you'd think that they'd call it something a little bit different right now instead of a plague. Like when the doctor's giving you the news, when you say the word plague, Well, maybe they say you out. have Yersinius pestis instead because that's its genetic e science name. I don't know. I think they should go with the Big Papa John's Big Bad Fun Time. Maybe you should write to the um, CDC and see if they'll do it. Uh, CDC, I I know that Papa John's wasn't around at the time, but hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> Modern plague epidemics have occurred in Africa, Asia, and South America, with most human cases occurring in Africa. Almost all of the cases reported in the last 20 years have occurred among people living in small towns and villages or agricultural areas rather than in larger towns and cities. So fun fact for you here. When, I'll decide that, that if it's fun. When I was looking at the CDC's website about the modern plague uh, and where outbreaks have happened, Canada did not have any cases in the years between 2013 and 2018. That's more of an interesting fact than a fun fact. Uh, does it say why? I like, guess... Like, why was there such a, like, no no cases? No cases. Huh. I mean, like, there are probably animals that carry it, but we probably just didn't come in contact with those animals. That's very strange, but intriguing. What mm-hmm. an intriguing fact. Thank you. So back to the mid-1300s. Oh, good. My favorite time period. <laughs> During that time, there were actually three kinds of plague going around at the same time. So kind of similar to how we have the Delta and the Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um but the plague is actually thought to have originated in Asia they over... the Papa and the John. Sorry. I just had to dra- drive this into the ground. That's the last one. I'll stop. stop. Maybe we should get Papa John's later. <laughs> so the plague is actually thought to have originated in Asia over 2,000 years ago. The strain Yersinia pestis, however, emerged in Mongolia in 1346 and was possibly passed to humans by a terabagon, which is a type a of dragon. marmot. What? A it's kind a, of what? A type of marmot. Dragon? Marmot. That's a kind of dragon, right? It's like a furry, dragon. like ferrety dragon. rodent type thing. R- rodents can be dragons. Bats with wings. Bats, rats with wings. Bats. Many Europeans <laughs> had heard rumors of the great pestilence that was carving a deadly path across the trade routes of the near and far east. So it started over in Asia a little bit earlier than it hit Europe. Okay. Um, and so we're going to talk about how it went from Asia into Europe. So we're going to start with... Bats can of... fly. That's how it got there. No, we're going to start with one of my favorite plague stories. Okay. Uh, and so many historians cite this as how it first entered Europe. So okay. uh, the Mongols uh, were 
carriers of the disease because, you know, Mongolia, China, that's where they came from. So Mm -hmm. um, in 1346, the Mongols are in a city called Tana when a ball breaks out there between the Italian merchants and a group of Muslims. A ball? Brawl. Oh, I was like, let's have a ball tonight. Let's just like get all dressed up and get fancy. (laughs) That's actually what I thought you said. No. (laughs) Okay, a brawl. That makes more sense for the Mongols. Following the death of one of the Muslims, the Italians ran away across the ocean to an outpost of Kaffa, but they were followed and the Muslims lay siege to the outpost for a year. So yeah. you know what a siege is, hey? Uh, it's a battle <laughs> of sorts. Yeah. So generally a siege would be the defenders are inside their castle walls. Okay. And like, they're trying to take over the Yeah. Place. So like generally the city would have walls and they would lock it up. And so um, people can't go in or out, but then yeah. the attackers can't get in either. So you can have a siege last many a year if you have enough food inside your siege. Okay. Siege quarters, siege headquarters. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then so the attackers are on the outside trying to get in. So this happened for a year. Um, I feel like such a failure if I couldn't get in there after a year. (laughs) So here, however, the Muslims are struck by an outbreak of plague. So what do they do? Well, in the first instance of biological warfare, they catapult the infected bodies of their dead over the walls of Katha, and those inside become infected as well. Whoa, that's so messed up. (laughs) Yes. This leaves both sides of the siege decimated, and the survivors in Katha escape by sea, leaving behind streets covered with corpses being fed on by feral animals. Whoa. So that's one way that it got into Europe. Okay. I was, that was, that was interesting. I'll give you that. There's, wherever this podcast goes, I will say that was very interesting. (laughs) One of the escaping ships arrived in Constantinople, which once infected loses as much as 90% of its population. Holy shit. So I just want to pause there for a second. So Constantinople at this point is one of the most, um, powerful and influential cities of the medieval Europe, and it lost 90% of its population. So that would be like LA or Beijing losing 90% of its population. That's wild. Yeah. This is all happening in 1347, where the fleeing Kaffa ships are still docking at places along the coast. 12 of them land in Sicily. Do you remember Sicily? Uh, Oh, that's where the sissies are from. Didn't I make that joke before? No, you didn't. Really? No. That doesn't seem like me. That's fair. Yeah, we talked about it in Operation Mincemeat. Yeah, why didn't I make, make that joke? I don't know. Okay, anyways, where the sissies are from. Yeah. Maybe I was trying to be PC that day, I don't know. Today I'm feeling a little bit uh, disgusting. So. Okay. So where the people gathered on the docks were met with a horrifying surprise. Most of the sailors aboard the ships were dead, and those still alive were gravely ill and covered in black boils that oozed blood and pus. <laughs> Jesus. Sicilian authorities hastily ordered the fleet of death ships, as they called them, out of the harbor, but it was too late. The plague was able to get onto land and residents attempted to flee the city, which was actually really common when the plague came to town. However, as these people... I'm sorry, I'm picturing the plague as a being just like, (laughs) I'm coming up, I'm going into town, gonna hit the casino. (laughs) When the people were running away from their cities to get out into the country, they took the plague with them, essentially. Okay, oh, we're gonna take the plague out on the town, take them out, give us some fishing. Yeah, so they ended up spreading the disease across mainland Italy, where one third of the population was dead by the following summer. Damn. In November 1347, the plague arrived in France, brought again by one of the ships, and it spread quickly across the country. In January 1348, a different strain of the plague began rampaging through Europe, this time through Genoa in Italy. A ship attempted to dock at the harbour, but the Genoans attacked the ship and drove it away. However, they still ended up infected. And probably because it wasn't just the people who were sick, but the rats who were carrying the fleas that carried the plague. 
Mm. Yeah. So rats were often able to sneak out of ships, um, down like the ropes and stuff, even if the humans on the ships could not. Well, they are much smaller. Yes. And also they didn't know that rats are what caused it. Oh, okay. I guess I didn't tell you that. That so, rats caused it? Yeah. And I don't think I talk about that in... Well, no, you just talked about licking rats and how you want to do that. It was kind of I a weird point in the podcast. The I mean, sorry, we might have, we might have added that part out, but Liz definitely said, you know what I'd love to lick? Rats. That's not what I said. So, yeah, I guess I should just explain this to you. Um, Yersinius pestis is a bacteria that lives uh, in the bodies of fleas. And so the fleas live on the rats and other random animals. And so if they're, if the human is bitten by the flea that carries this bacteria, uh, then they generally will get it. And it, and the plague is also spread through respiratory droplets and stuff, but it was originally spread through the rat fleas. Okay. So I just missed that part. Um, yeah, so this second strain of the plague is rampaging through Italy, and they're still fighting the first strain. The plague also traveled east into the Persian Empire and throughout Greece, Bulgaria, Romania, and Poland, and south to Egypt and Cyprus. In response to the plague's traveling, I guess, Venice faced an outbreak by pioneering the first organized response, with committees ordering ship inspections and burning down those with contagions, shutting down taverns, and restricting wine from unknown sources. So, like, the first lockdown. Yeah. The canals filled I remember with- when we burned down all those businesses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the canals filled with gondolas shutting out the official instructions for how to dispose of dead bodies. But despite these efforts, the plague killed 60% of the Venetian population. In June 1348, the plague finally hit England, and again, those who attempt to flee the pestilence end up spreading the disease further mainland. In October, the plague had reached London uh, with the death of the king's daughter. As the devastation grows, Londoners flee to the countryside to find food. King Edward blames the plague on garbage and human excrement piled up in the London streets and in the Thames River. The plague also made its way north when an English ship makes its way to Norway in July 1349. The ship runs aground at Bergen and its crew is dead by the end of the week. And the pestilence travels to Denmark and Sweden, where the king there believed that fasting on a Friday and foregoing shoes on a Sunday would please God and end the plague. <laughs> just, uh, God's just uh, up there like, man... Shoes. <laughs> I like them six days of the week, but fuck them on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. Oh, what? <laughs> and two of the king's brothers die uh, before moving on to Russia and eastern Greenland, forcing the Vikings to halt their exploration of North America. But all we had was not wearing our shoes on a Sunday. <laughs> they could write a country song about that. Don't wear your shoes on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yep. In March 1350, Scotland had so far avoided the plague, and seeing this as a moment of English weakness, planned to invade. They amassed an army and waited upon the border to attack. However, the troops became infected and 5,000 of them died. Choosing now to retreat, the soldiers brought the disease back to their families and a third of Scotland perished. A third of Scotland? Holy shit. It's a lot. Well, yeah, lots of these people. Like, a lot. By 1351, the plague spread significantly begins to peter out thanks to quarantine efforts. Oh, it's almost like that works. <laughs> mm, surprise. By this point, the plague had caused the deaths of between 25 to 50 million people, and it had led to the massacres of 210 Jewish communities, which I'll talk about in a few wow. moments. Damn. All in all, Europe had lost about 50% of its population. Wow. Okay, so Europeans were scarcely equipped for the reality of death. In Men and Women Alike, the Italian poet Giovanni Baccaccini... Boccaccino. Isn't that kind of cheese? 
No, Boccaccio. There we go. Boccaccio. No, Gia- Giovanni Boccaccio. Boccaccio. You got to leave all that in of us trying to pronounce it. Boccaccio. I do know how to say it, but it's a Boccaccio. For whatever reason, what I'm, when I'm trying to read it, Giovanni Boccaccio. Giovanni Boccaccio. He the wrote, best cheese in the sun. Set. He wrote that in men and women alike, at the beginning of the malady, certain swellings, either on the groin or under the armpits, waxed to the bigness of a common apple. Others to the size of an egg, some more and some less, and these the vulgar named plague boils. Hold on, your, um, your scrotum. No, your groin. Your s- testicles. Your groin is like the little, <laughs> like, line between your leg and your tum tum. Well, that feels like I, I feel like a damn fool. I thought it was your balls. No. <laughs> I'm just picturing like testicles going up to the size of apples. No, it's like that that by your hip joint. Well, why does somebody say, "Oh, I'm going to kick you in the groin"? Do people misuse it? Clearly, I mean, I'm you misusing it right now, talking about testicles on this wholesome podcast. <laughs> and also in their armpits, so they could be as big as an apple or, or the size of an egg. Blood and pus seeped out of these strange swellings, followed by a host of other symptoms. Fever, chills, vomiting, diarrhea, terrible aches and pains, and then, in short order, death. It's a small comfort to know that death did come quickly. It is said that people would fall ill by morning and be dead by supper. Damn. Before they get to eat? Uh, Unfortunately. Although one of the other versions of the plague did take about three days to kill people. They got time for three meals. No, three suppers. Nine meals. (laughs) The bubonic plague attacks the lymphatic system, causing swelling of the lymph nodes. If untreated, the infection can spread to the blood or lungs. The Black Death was terrifyingly, indiscriminately contagious. The mere touching of clothes, wrote Boccaccio, appeared to itself communicate the malady to the toucher. Today, we know that the Black Death is spread by a bacteria that travels from person to person through the air, as well as through the bite of infected fleas and rats. Both of these pests could be found almost everywhere in medieval Europe but they were particularly at home aboard ships of all kinds, which is how the deadly plague made its way through one European port city after another. Today, we are able to understand how trade routes helped to encourage the spread. However, at the time, there seemed to be no rational explanation for it. No one knew exactly how the Black Death was transmitted from one patient to another, and no one knew how to treat or prevent it. All the patients, you walk in and they're just like all kissing each other. It's like, stop this orgy in here. How is this spreading? (laughs) According to one doctor, for example, instantaneous death occurs when an aerial spirit escaping from the eyes of the sick man strikes the healthy person standing near and looking at the sick. <laughs> so this guy basically thought that the plague would like shoot out of the man's eyes yeah. and infect the person that was looking at the sick guy. And then they die. So yeah. it's similar to the basilisk in Harry Potter. <laughs> similar, yeah. Physicians at the time relied on crude and unsophisticated techniques such as bloodletting and boil lancing. Practices that were both dangerous and unsanitary. And superstitious practices such as burning aromatic herbs and bathing in rose water or vinegar. Meanwhile, in a panic, healthy people did all they could to avoid the sick. Doctors refused to see their patients, priests refused to administer last rites, and shopkeepers closed their stores. Many people fled the cities for the countryside, but even there they could not escape the disease, for it affected cows, sheep, goats, pigs, and chickens, as well as people. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. In fact, so many sheep died that one of the consequences of the Black Death was a European wool shortage, which I also didn't know. Oh, Hmm. there's lots of interesting facts in this. Yeah. And many people desperate to save themselves, 
even abandoned their sick and dying loved ones. Oh, the yeah. dickheads. <laughs> so actually, one way of avoiding the plague in the 1700s, because there's been many outbreaks of plague. Um, so if you're, if a person in your family got sick, they would come around and they would nail you into your house, whether or not you were sick. And they would be like, well, I guess you're just going to have to tough it out. We'll see what happens if you survive or not. <laughs> so, you know, people complaining about a vaccine passport try being walled into a house with people that are losing blood and pus out of these boils and you're like well that's what's going to happen to me in a couple of days like i think I think a vaccine passport we can handle yeah we got this we got this canada <laughs> <laughs> because they did not understand the biology of the disease many people believed that the black death was a kind of divine punishment retribution for sins against god such as greed blasphemy heresy fornication and worldliness by this logic, the only way to overcome the plague was to win God's forgiveness. Some people believed that the only way to do this was to purge their communities of heretics and other troublemakers. That guy's wearing shoes. Get him! Jewish people, for example, are troublemakers and heretics. Oh, sorry, you looked at me like I was gonna... You were like, Jewish people? What's Dakota gonna say? This sounds like the setup for a punchline. That's not what I was... Oh. I just realized that <laughs> this is a... a, a um, a fragment, a sentence fragment. So I was looking at you because I was like, fool, I typed this incorrectly. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> I mean, we're laughing, but it's a sad, this is a sad fact here. So You're right. This There's no time for jokes. We're talking about death of millions. Well, yes. So it, but I feel like this is the perfect time to read you the joke that I wrote down. Okay. <laughs> Back to testicles and the size of apples. I just wrote, I was like, Maybe this, maybe I'll be able to put this somewhere in this podcast. Nope, I'm not going to be able to, so I'll just put it here. Apple bottom testicles, boots with the fur. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, that's all. That's my joke. That's I good. write down all my jokes. Uh, well, not all of them. I write down a bunch of jokes on the paper. Uh, there's a little behind the scenes. Continue. Let's behind talk about... Behind the scenes action. Yeah, behind the scenes action. I'm also going to post this on Instagram later, so look forward to that. What is a fact about Jewish people that I will not make fun of okay so again we're saying that they thought they had to win god's forgiveness and a way of doing this was getting rid of the heretics and the troublemakers for example jewish people oh okay many europeans blamed the jewish people for the plague believing in rumors that the jews had caused the plague by poisoning the wells and there was a huge increase in anti-semitic massacres in towns throughout germany and france jewish communities were completely annihilated so like i said at the start about 210 jewish communities were just wiped off the face of the world. Damn. A group of religious zealots known as the flagellants also... <laughs> the flagellants? Like poop? Like fart? No, like whip yourself. Oh, wait, what's... What am I saying? Flatulants. Oh, they're different? Flagellants. They're very close. You're right. They're just... This is the farting community we're about to talk about. They also emerged at this time. While they had existed previously, they grew in popularity during the Black Death. They were a religious sect that believed in public beatings with whips as part of their discipline and devotional practice. They whipped themselves or other people? Groups would march through European towns, whipping each other to atone for sins and calling on the populace to repent. That sounds like a weird kink to me. Which, during the time of the Black Death, when many believed that God was punishing them, contributed to their rise in numbers. Groups of anywhere from 50 to 500 hooded and half-naked men marched, sang, and thrashed themselves with lashes until swollen and bloody. They would use heavy leather straps with sharp pieces of metal while the townspeople watched. For 33 and a half days, the flagellants repeated this ritual three times a day. Oh, and it's then... getting really smelly out here. Oh, oh, stop farting. And then they would move on to the next town 
obviously bringing the plague with them. And their flashlights. <laughs> so the plague never really ended, and it would often return with a vengeance years down the line. <laughs> the Black Death. Uh, what is it? It's like Die Hard with a Vengeance. Black <laughs> Death with a Vengeance. That's what it is. But officials in the Venetian-controlled port city of Ragusa were able to slow its spread by keeping arriving sailors in isolation until it was clear that they were not carrying the disease, creating social distancing by isolation to slow the spread of the disease. The sailors were initially held on their ships for 30 days, which was called a Trentino, a period that was later increased to 40 days, or a Quarantino. This is the origin of the term quarantine, and a practice that is still used today. Quarantino? Yeah, 40. What? 40, so in, in in Italian, quarantino is the word for 40. Oh, I just thought it was like some bros being like, calling it, you know, something like, we we gotta call this, like, spice it up a bit. Quarantino. No, that's the Italian word. Quarantino. Yeah, there we go. You like my guac, cheese. Uh, what, what was that guy's name? Baccaccino. Baccaccino. Guacamole. Ba- guac- that's what I was gonna go with. I, I, know, was, like, I was like, that's, that's not, that's not cheese, that's avocado. <laughs> All right. So, some medical historians consider Ragusa's quarantine edict one of the highest achievements of medieval medicine. By ordering the isolation of healthy sailors and traders for 30, then 40 days, Ragusan officials showed a remarkable understanding of incubation periods. New arrivals might not have exhibited symptoms of the plague, but they would be held long enough to determine if they were in fact disease-free. The quarantine measures may also have served a purpose for restoring order. According to historian Stephen Crawshaw, there are risks with any sort of epidemic of social breakdown, widespread panic, or complacency, which can be just as dangerous, which is what we are experiencing right now in COVID. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of emotions that need to be acknowledged and preempted, and that was part of public health policy 600 years ago as much as it is now. So I just wanted to make the point that public health policy and having social distancing, having quarantines, having... Quarantino. <laughs> Um, lockdowns, we're not burning people's businesses, but all of this. Speak for yourself. Is not unprecedented. This has had a 600 year long history. So it's not we're living in unprecedented times. We're living in really precedented times. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) This has been a history of humanity for as long as at least the Black Death. So is this the first uh, reported plague? I mean, there were plagues all, but this is like the biggest one. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it went worldwide. Right. Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Look at you with the jokes. That wasn't even written down. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> went look, off look script. Look at you go. But I want to get back to what I'm saying is that okay. <laughs> people being like, my rights and freedoms and like, we've this has never happened. Da, 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 da. It's not true. You need to go back and look at your history and read facts. Or about- just listen to us. We're basically fact. We're very biased though, so... We're biased sexuals. Stop it. (laughs) But just read what is actually out there and understand that what is happening today is just another continuation of public health policy that has been in place for at least 600 years. So anyways, what I wrote down was that I think it's interesting because the super vocal minority who are protesting public health measures seem to have no idea of the historical impact and precedent that these laws and mandates actually have. I'm not surprised. (laughs) They haven't listened to the reluctant historian. So how would they know? And also public health uh, measures need to serve the society and not the will of the individual. Yeah. Uh, that is the purpose of public health. And this was actually argued in the case of Jacobson versus Massachusetts in America, where they ruled that individual liberty is not absolute and that states can actually enforce compulsory vaccination laws oh, wow. for the good of society. Yeah. Anywho, back to the plague. 
the Black Death had run its course by the early 1350s, but it did reappear every few generations for centuries. Modern sanitation and public health practices have greatly mitigated the impact of the disease, but have not eliminated it. The people of Europe faced a change in society. The combination of the massive death rate and the numbers of survivors fleeing their homes caused entrenched social and economic systems to spiral. It became easier to get work for better wages, and the average standard of living rose. The feudal system, which is the one with serfs and peasants that like worked for their lord, began to die, and the aristocracy tried to pass laws that would further prevent any uprise by the peasants, which eventually led to more revolts and revolution in both Europe and France. Significant losses within the older intellectual communities brought an unprecedented opportunity for new ideas and art concepts to take hold, leading to the Renaissance and a more youthful, enlightened period of human history. So basically, at this time period, everybody was like, we have to keep doing what is doing, what's been going on, we have to stay with the status quo, we have to keep like listening to the priests and them talking in Latin. But with the death of like 50% of the population, they were like, hey, maybe now we can like change the way that we see the world. Which could be a positive for COVID. For sure, yeah. And so if there's one thing that I hold on to about the story of tragedy, it is that social upheaval can come from our COVID pandemic. The death of an old order where maybe we can now start to care about social justice and climate change? I do hope a little. So, Coda, what do you think? Well, you're going to be pleased. <laughs> oh, I think. I mean, you might be like, oh, why wasn't that a nine? Oh, oh I'm... You were laughing I mean, all the time. That was really good. No, I'm going to give it, and this is a really good rating, okay? So I'm going to give it 8.7 apple testicles out of 10. Cool. Is that okay? An 87, I guess, is all right. It's not a 90. Yeah, but it, that was that was way more entertaining than I thought. Uh, a lot of interesting facts. I got to make lots of jokes, which I appreciated, like when I get to do that. And uh, I feel like a lot of what has come before again it's one of those things that you know we can look to today and be like ah so this isn't new this is like you were saying this is you know um i like what you said about how certain states can be like no we need to do what's good for the population not just what's good for your you necessarily right it's uh sometimes the uh good of the many outweigh the needs of the one yeah absolutely yeah so yeah i really liked it thank you did you learn anything? I just fucking told you. Oh, okay. okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So 8.7 apple testicles out of 10. Yeah. Great. Well, that's all we have for today. We'd like to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to hang out with us. If you enjoyed listening to what we had to say, please download our podcast from Apple, Spotify, or Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also leave a review or tell your friends about us. Indie podcasts really do grow through word of mouth. And if you want to stay in contact or see behind-the-scenes action, you can follow us on Instagram at The Reluctant Historian or on Facebook at The Reluctant Historian Podcast. Or if you want to shoot us an email with future show ideas or corrections you may have noted, you can email us at TheReluctantHistorian at gmail.com. So, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. And if you're hungry tonight and you're looking for just that special something that really hits the spot, go to Papa John's. It's what serves you.